Hello and welcome back into another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Happy to be back with you is Price Carter, myself, and Christian Amesworth. We have been recording a little bit on Talk and Shop, which is another show here on Arrowhead Live, but we are back in for just me and Christian, and we're going to be covering the schedule release that the Chiefs have put out, amongst other things. Christian, what were your biggest takeaways from the schedule release? Did you just spend hours... watching TV, anticipating the schedule release? No, actually, uh, I don't want to leak too much information, but I had the schedule a little bit earlier than than some other people did. Uh, so I got an early look at some of these games, and, man, that, the back half of the season, I think, is going to be pretty tough for us. I mean, we got some early games that are, that you know, that might be nice, like the Colts and the Raiders. We always kick the Raiders. Uh, but then you get into those late season games, like the Bengals. You then you, we hit the Broncos twice and the Titans even a little bit earlier in the season. Those are all going to be tough games. So it, I'll be anxious to see where we're sitting. I mean, in the first, after the first maybe six games of the season, because I think if we get off to a slow start, that that could bode poorly for you know the rest of our season into the off season, postseason. I bet. Well, my biggest takeaway from the schedule, actually the schedule release, what I was alluding to is the NFL totally screws up these schedule release things. They make such a huge deal out of it. And then, you know, 90% of every team's schedule before they actually release it. If they want to really build up anticipation, they should keep this completely under lock and then just put it all out at once. I've never watched a schedule release show ever. I just get on Twitter about that time. And watch everyone's video, which I think is actually probably the most fun part of the schedule release thing, unless you're the Chiefs, apparently, who didn't know this assignment was due until like 11 p.m. the night before and had just Andy Reid read off the schedule, which was, I mean, look, I'm sure it's like kind of funny in its own way, but like seeing like what the Panthers do or what the Chargers do, they just got body. They just got destroyed in that. Like that's that that's how they're going to play this season. We're screwed. But (laughs) Nevertheless, well, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really it, matter. It really wasn't that funny. Like I, no, I saw it, that it, post on on Twitter that that short little yeah. video clip. Yeah, it's just Andy Reid kind of like poking fun at himself, and it's like, look, we get the cheeseburger joke, dude. Like it's funny, we get it. You're big, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was it was super lame compared to like the Chargers looked like they started working on it the minute they lost to the Raiders, which you know, <laughs> props to them, but you know. It's an imaginary trophy, but it is kind of like, well, could we make a good one one time? But nevertheless, we actually have the order of these games. We've known the teams forever. Um, you know, let's just kind of go game by game, tally it, and then we can take away our big big wins and losses. So Sounds um, good. they start week one in Arizona, showdown in the desert against the Cardinals. Do you have this as a win or a loss for the Cardinal or for the Chiefs? I I feel like this could be like our first L of the season. Just because it's it's an away game at the start of a season, the wide receivers, you know, it, it takes a while for them to mesh into Andrew Reid's offense anyway. It's a completely new receiving core. That and we're getting first half of the season Cliff Kingsbury and, uh, my goodness, I forgot his name, Murray, Kyler Murray. Uh, so it, I feel like it's going to be a tough matchup. Cardinals had a really good offseason, traded for Hollywood Brown, did some really good things. So it's one I'm a little anxious about. I could not be further apart from you on this. Wow, actually. really? Uh, this is, yeah, this is, the Chiefs are getting plus three right here. They're getting three points against the Cardinals this early in the season. I would uh, 
take out a second loan and put money on that. The Chiefs are going to trounce the Cardinals in week one. Andy Reid, week one, is a secret weapon always. He is going to be, and this is going to be a theme I have in the next game too, him and Patrick Mahomes are going to be out to prove a point that they are not done just because Terry Kill is traded. This offense is going to look completely different in the way it plays, the styles that it plays, especially with the playmakers on the field. They are going to catch the Cardinals with their pants down around their ankles. Have you looked at who plays corner for the Cardinals? Have you looked at the secondary for the Cardinals? That game is going to be a nightmare. And sure, J.J. Watt might be healthy for that game, depending on you know how it, how his camp goes. They lost Chandler Jones. You know that that defense is pretty rough. And yeah, you know Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. We all know the mean that Cliff sucks in the second half and is pretty good in the first half. But I do not. And you're catching them without DeAndre Hopkins too. Yes, they traded for Hollywood Brown. But uh, you know C- Christian Kirk isn't there as well. Like that, there's no part of that team that really strikes fear in my heart. And for the Chiefs, I think that they come out, prove a point. I, I like them big. I'll take them double digits. Really? Dude, I actually think that their wide receiving core is, like, sneaky good. Like, especially with that Hollywood Brown trade. Like, you're looking at Zach Ertz. You're you're looking at uh, A.J. Green. I believe he's still on the team. And then DeAndre Hopkins, we know what he can do. Like, he, he's a, it was, still a monster. And if it was 2016, holy shit, dude, you'd be right. But it ain't 2016 anymore. <laughs> AJ Green kind of sucks. DeAndre Hopkins ain't gonna be there. Hollywood Brown also kind of sucks. Oh, like, that's right. I I forgot that DeAndre Hopkins had gotten suspended. Yeah, he, he's he's, he's been suspended. Zach wow. Zach Ertz has a Twitter account dedicated to him called "Did Zach Ertz Break a Tackle?" And the answer is always no. I mean, like <laughs> I and the offensive line is putrid. There's not much there. I mean, there's Rodney Hudson, who we love as Chiefs fans, but I dub. That's a dub. I'll, I'll tell you what. I I for, had forgotten about the uh, DeAndre Hopkins thing, so I will amend this one. This, I, I think win. this is going to – Yeah, I you win. won one. You won I one. Win. It doesn't Chiefs happen very know, often. Price want to know. There you go. All right. The Chiefs come home on a short week and face the Chargers in Arrowhead on Thursday night football. Make sure you have your Amazon Prime subscription handy. I will. I'm going to put this one down as a win. Um, you'll notice a trend here when it comes to the vision, but I'm going to put this down as a win. Again, I think that Andy Reid is about as good as any tactician as it comes to preparing teams for games early in the season. I think they always succeed there. I think he's going to be out to prove a point. I think that they're going to come out hot. I think this is going to be a tough game. I don't, you know, this might be a field goal type of game, but I also think. Teams that have a lot of change and turnover struggle at the beginning of the year. That defense has a ton of new pieces on it for the Chargers and hasn't played well yet. No, I'm open to them kind of turning the corner this year as far as the Chargers go. And also, I think, you know, the Chargers offense is good but not great. And I think that it'll be just enough for the Chiefs to win. So I've got them 2-0 and after playing the Chargers. Yeah, and, and I'll take this one as a dub too. Chargers... I mean, they're historically underperforming as, you know, generally as a franchise, but I think the expectations on them for this upcoming season are just way too high. Like, like always, a lot of people have them, oh, they're going to beat the Chiefs. This Khalil Mack trade is going to put them over the top. You know, they, they did so well in the draft and, you know, that's that's all good and well. Wait, wait till they step on the field and, and we'll see. 
And I know the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. Their pass rush isn't isn't exactly, you know, star-studded at this point. But historically, we've beaten the Chargers every single time we've played them. I'm, I'm going to keep with that. There's been nothing that's been done this offseason to, to change my mind any other way. So, yeah, Chiefs over Chargers week two. The Chiefs then go on the road to play in Indianapolis, a noon game, against Matt Ryan's Colts, which is something you didn't think you would be saying at this point in your life. This game was tough for me. Um, I When I gave out my schedule, like what I thought the results were going to be, this was kind of my flip game. Like, is it a win? Is it a loss? I'm going to tentatively put it down as a win, but this is a classic trap situation. They come off a huge game against... The Chargers, yes, they kind of get the mini buy there. They get those ten days off, but then they've got the Bucks looming on the other side, and you know that that's on Sunday Night Football. That's a huge game. Uh, those are both road games as well, Colts and Bucks. So I'm going to put this down as a win, only because I still think the Colts are spe- a spectacular roster in the places that it doesn't matter. You've got Quentin Nelson at left guard. You've got Darius Leonard, an off the ball linebacker. You've got Jonathan Taylor, a running back. Like you know, there's there's great players on that team, and I do think that Matt Ryan probably raises the ceiling of that team a little bit. But the dirty little secret is, besides when they needed him most, which is ultimately why he's not with the team, um, Carson Wentz wasn't dreadful last year for them. He really wasn't. The numbers kind of bear that out. Now the problem was is that when they needed him, he was awful. But um, I'll take the Chiefs in this one, but this is one of those games that I don't think will be easy. I think that it'll kind of get grinded down, and the Chiefs are going to have to prove that they can stop the run, and the Colts will keep trying until the Chiefs can prove it. Yeah, well, and I mean, you kind of spoke to it a little bit. It really kind of depends on how you view the Colts after getting Matt Ryan. Now, I I just pulled up their roster. Looking at it, wide receiver core is okay. Running back, Jonathan Taylor, really, really good player. Other than that, I mean... Tight end, Moali Cox, that, that's their starting tight end. Paris Campbell is their number three receiver. Like that, That's a guy that's going to be taking lots of reps for you. And Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, I thought he was pretty good before he got drafted in front of uh, Sky Moore. But it, it's not like he's going to be life-changing. So I, I think that their offense is going to sputter and spit a little bit, especially earlier in the season. I don't see how they can overcome the Chiefs, especially – if you factor in that Andy Reid first couple games of the season magic, it's going to be tough. It'll be a tough game for them. It is on the road, so Chiefs are kind of put at a disadvantage, but they've played well on the road as, I mean, fairly well over the past couple of years. So I I have this as a dub for them as well. Next up, the Chiefs go to what will maybe probably be the last chapter in Brady versus Mahomes. Uh, they go to, to Tampa to play the Bucks. Um, this is on Sunday Night Football. I have this as a loss. Um, while I do think that they're totally capable of winning this game, and I think the Bucks, you know, it's going to be real fun talking about if Rob Gronkowski is going to come back and then he like does something funny, like comes back in the middle of camp and surprises them. And there's this viral video, and everyone thinks it's the funniest thing ever because Gronk is stupid. Ho ho ho! But um, sorry, I'm really annoyed with. Tom Brady getting that contract from Fox might be the worst thing that's ever happened to me because I thought it was just going to fade away into nothing and I wouldn't have to deal with it. And then we'd just, you know, see him on TV occasionally. But no, he has to be in my living room every night for the next 10 years, making more money than like half of the players in the NBA. But nevertheless, I think that 
I think that this is a game that will be tr tricky. I think the Bucks defense will be good still. Um, the offensive line is taking a bit of a hit, and you know they'll they will be without Chris Godwin in this game and possibly Rob Gronkowski. We know Ronald Jones is going to be there, but it's Tom Brady and him at home on Sunday Night Football. This is going to be a game that there's there's just going to be so many eyes on it, and it just seems like the type of game that the Chiefs drop. Just because I would have to listen to more of like, oh Brady over Mahomes, he owns Mahomes. So I'm taking this game as a loss. No, I, I don't think this one can be a loss. And, and I'll tell you what. Well, first of all, I want to hit on that Tom Brady thing. I actually love that he's going to be a caster for Fox. As much as I hate him, you know that there's football genius there, and I'm all about learning, getting more information. I don't really care who it comes with. It will either be really good or really bad. It will, there will oh, be yeah. no in-between. He will either be fantastic and give you stuff that you never thought you would hear and be funny and those type of things, or... He will be dreadful because he'll be a football guy. He'll never criticize people. He won't call stuff out. He won't give out the secrets and tips of the game or anything like that. He'll just kind of be like neutral. Um, Bruce Arians, ironically, his coach or former head coach, was awful in the booth because he wouldn't say anything. He was just It was just like listening to coach speak for three hours in the booth. So he'll either be great or terrible. We know the preparation and everything, but this isn't him being taken as the six round pick. As far as broadcasting goes, he's the one, one he's getting paid like the one, one, the best broadcaster in sports. So we'll see if he has that same chip on his shoulder when it comes to preparing for it. Cause it ain't easy being a broadcaster. Well, no, but I think also this kind of goes against my point, but I'll, I'll play devil's advocate to my own argument here. Uh, he, the bar has kind of been set fairly low for him. Like on Twitter, you'll see like his, him post and get like, 100,000 likes for saying, oh, I like this white tea over this black tea. It's like, yeah, that's that's cool. And you're showing a side of yourself that you never got to show with Belichick. That doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean that you're, you're giving us good content here. It's just cool to see you rag on somebody and speak on the media after being muzzled for the first 14 years of your career. Like, So yeah, I, I kind of get that aspect of it. Go ahead. It's just going to be interesting to see if everything that he broadcasts is through the lens of I'm Tom Brady. Like, is it going to be like, you know, back when I played, blah, 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 blah. Well, I did win a few Super Bowls. Or like, you know, I'm just saying this would be a really bad strategy. They should really try to push the ball downfield here before I have, boy, you know, what do I know? Like, you know, and also the person that's playing off of him a little bit. Like, if it's just like, well, you are the GOAT. You are like, we don't need to, like, you know, Tony Romo is kind of perfect at that because Tony Romo is a good, not great player. So like, You'll hear him say, like, you know, he was going on and on in the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes game in the, in the playoffs about, like, this is just an excellent game and kind of deferring to the fact that, like, hey, look, I'm not sure I could have ever done this. And for Brady, I did, you know, there could, there's a breath of arrogance around him already. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if he puts that aside. But enough about Tom freaking Brady, the game. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I guess we can get to it. Bucks versus Chiefs. Um, in Tampa Bay, I don't see this one as a loss. I mean, Tampa Bay kind of lost some big pieces this year. And if not lost them, they're relying on older talent that they should have cut. Like that defensive line without JPP is basically Shaq Barrett and Vita Bay. And Vita Bay, you know, is, is basically the Samoan Derek Nottie, but he's not exactly the best pass rusher. That's going to be an area of weakness for them. 
and you know, in their Super Bowl years, in when we went up against them, and the, even the year after that, they had a formidable pass rush. I mean, hell, we saw it in the Super Bowl. Um, but their back end, that that secondary was awful. So you, I mean, you're going into the season without essentially two of your best pass rushers that you've had on on that team, relying on younger talent, which often doesn't work out as far as defensive linemen goes. As far as production, I guess I would say. But uh, anyway, you're you're going into this this season without a pass rush, and I think the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, with one of the best offensive lines and now a deeper wide receiver core, I don't think they're going to be able to get them off the field. Like it, it would have been we would have torched them with Tyreek Hill and nobody else anyway. But having this deep wide receiver core and being able to take those cornerbacks two or three deep, it's. I think that'll just be too much for him. So I'm, I'm going to chalk this one up as a W. Plus, Brady's getting older, and I'm tired of picking him to win games. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a game that a lot of people are going to like pull comparisons from from the Super Bowl, but that's that's been so long ago that these really Thank aren't you. the same teams at this point. Um, but yeah, I just this is one that I just don't feel great about. Uh, one that I do feel really good about. So in the first four game stretch, I have the Chiefs at three and one. I could be talked into two and two as well, which would be kind of like what last year was. And that's again going to be kind of one of my themes here. But Monday Night Football, uh, two primetime games in a row, three out of four in primetime. Sorry for you, noon tailgate crews. There still has not been a noon game at Arrowhead. Uh, the Chiefs play the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Uh, I love the Chiefs in this one. Um, the Raiders have just not matched up well with the Chiefs at all lately that defense yes i know that they added chandler jones but there's this like idea that the raiders had zero pass rush outside of max crosby last year and yannick Ngakwe was a good pass rusher he he's not great against the run and i think chandler jones brings a little bit more there but Ngakwe was productive chandler jones for Ngakwe is like a c plus to b minus i mean i guess it's a little bit better but you know, you're really putting everything on this team as far as like Rock Yassin brought in at corner and what you think Devontae Adams is going to do. Obviously, he's going to make the offense better, but those games were not close last year between the Chiefs and the Raiders. And yes, I know they're two different teams, but I I just do not see it. I do not see that this game, especially again, catching the Chiefs early on, on Monday Night Football in Arrowhead, I, I like the Chiefs here. So I'm going to have them taking a win here. And they will then be, in my mind, they will be four and one. So I'm, I'm going to stay along. I, I'm going to say that's a W as well. Uh, going five and zero oh in the first five games would be amazing for the Chiefs. Uh, again, I could be talked into four and one or three and two at this point, depending on how you, how you feel like about that Chargers game. And maybe the Cardinals have some magic with, you know, not having Devontae Adams kind of a surprise factor. But with this game in particular, it, it really comes down to, do you think the Chiefs got worse and the Raiders got better? If you believe that that changed enough to where the Raiders can overtake the Chiefs. Now, you go match up, match up throughout the roster. I think that they maybe have a better running back core than we do and maybe better pass rushers. I mean, defensive end, edge players, like... Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is probably better than a rookie and Frank Clark. But other than that, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that big of a matchup. Devontae Adams adding to the room. I guess there's an argument to be made that the wide receiver core is better. But 
that's all dependent on Derek Carr's play. And I know people love him and just love to to give him props and and talk about all the good things he's doing for the Raiders. Like, still not a great quarterback. He's still basically Matt Ryan. I mean, do you think Matt Ryan with this roster could could beat the Chiefs? Do you think Dak Prescott could could win against the, the Chiefs? Like, yeah, the biggest the biggest like myth around the NFL is that Derek Carr somehow proved something on the field last year. He proved an immense amount off the field. As far as his leadership traits go, I definitely think that he is a deserving starting quarterback in the NFL, but not a lot changed. I mean, they they snuck into the playoffs. They caught some teams in some lucky games. I mean, there's. I think this year is the year we kind of remember he's Derek Carr. Um, but with that being said, I think that they're marginally better than they were last year, but I don't think that they were close to the Chiefs last year. And the Chiefs themselves were not particularly great last year. Um, going on, the surprising not a primetime game and will be in the slot because it's CBS's protected game at 325. It's Chiefs, Bills, and Arrowhead. The Giants face each other once again. Um, I think a lot of Chiefs fans probably have this game written down as a loss. I did as well just because we know that they're a good team and we know that the last game was literally a coin flip. So I'm going to take the Chiefs or I'm going to take the Bills here um, just because I think it makes a lot of sense for them to lose this game. But it wouldn't surprise me. You know, we always do this exercise and they'll have some, you know, they'll drop a game you never expected them to drop and then they'll win a game that you had them losing. But just common sense here tells me that I don't think the Chiefs pulled this one out. So I have them losing. Yeah, same here. Bills, it was a tough matchup last year. We lost one of our best weapons. And I know we've improved the defense with draft capital and things like that, but it's not like we made any insane free agent moves to retain pass rushers or, or bring in some new guys in as far as the defensive line goes. I, this one's got to be an L. And Josh Allen was really, really good. He could take a step back. I, I actually predicted last year that he would prove me wrong. So... I think that he could even maybe even take another step forward and, and bring that rushing threat that he has uh, back and, and make us, you know, burn us on it a few times. Um, I, I think matchup-wise, we match up fairly well against him, especially if these rookies play well. But you're asking a lot of some guys that you just drafted to come in and contribute to beating an incredible team that took us into OT and almost beat us last year. So, yeah, yeah one one thing that I, I was reminded about is that Tredavious White didn't play in the playoff game. Arguably, probably their best defensive player. Added Von Miller and Tredavious White. Like mm-hmm. that's gonna and you know drafted Kyrie Elam high. It, it's gonna be just two juggernauts. Just <clears throat> legends. Godzilla versus King Kong. Man, it's just that's one of those that you carve out every second you have in your day to watch that game. Um, after that game, the Chiefs go on the road to the Bay Area to face the 49ers. Um, this is a afternoon start. I have the Chiefs winning this game. Um, surprisingly, I had, saw several people had this game as a loss. I don't know if that's like making them believers in the quarterback there. I, for one, am not a strong believer. What is his name? North Dakota State escaping. Trey Lance. Trey Lance, Lance. yeah. I'm, I'm not a... Not a believer in that at all. And I think the 49ers actions thus far have kind of backed that up a little bit. So while I know that Kyle Shanahan can scheme the hell out of a run game and the defense is 
okay. Uh, the pass rush will be good again. You know, they added Bonito, I believe, in the in the draft. I they can draft defensive linemen like nobody else, but I I, I see the Chiefs taking this one. So uh, I think the Broncos actually drafted Benito. Yeah, they I drafted no, they drafted the guy from USC, Drake Jackson. That's who they got. Oh yes, yeah, it was right. someone that I wanted. I remember I was yeah. like, damn it, yeah, Drake Jackson. Well, he, I think he's a guy that might take a couple of years to to get acquainted or you know to be a factor in the league just because he's so young. But I, I'm gonna be honest, I had this one as a loss for the Chiefs, not because I think the matchup is bad or or that we're gonna lose or that you know we're not as good as the 49ers. I think that this is just a trap game. Like you're facing an old rival that you beat in the Super Bowl. Um, they're definitely going to have this one circled on their schedule, bring everything. And I think if you're Andy Reid or maybe even some of the defensive players on our team, you look at that and you go, Trey Lance, they've said, you know, is not good. Um, he's not, you know, they're not 100% faithful in, in him being a leader of the team. Uh, we can kind of phone it in for this game. And so, if that happens, you're facing a highly capable head coach who can run you to death. And their defense is actually fairly good. I mean, they, they've got some playmakers. They've got some young talent. Um, and I think if given the opportunity, we've got some guys on our team that can be taken advantage of. Um, so chalk it up as a loss. Again, not because I think that they're better than us, but just a trap game scenario here. Yeah, now let's be clear. If Trey Lance can't hit the ground running, him as a runner, it will just bring such a new element to the offense that I could see them being, and that's part of the reason why their Super Bowl odds are so high. So I could see it. I just do not believe in Trey Lance, the passer. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's my skepticism there. And who knows if he's even the quarterback at that point. They might be doing the back and forth thing with Jimmy G a little bit. So then the bye week. Uh, Chiefs get an early buy this year. You don't love it. The Chiefs have kind of really enjoyed having the later buy. I think it's always kind of a target date for some injured players to come back. Um, but there's there's pros to having a early bye week as well, and it kind of lets the Chiefs uh, regroup no matter where they are. So I had them going into the buy at just uh, five and two. So that's pretty good. The only loss I had them were the Bills and the Bucks. After the bye, they even get a little bit longer of a bye because they play on Sunday night football against the Titans in Arrowhead. Um, this is a game that I understand why it's on Sunday night football, but it wouldn't shock me if it got flexed out because there's a game that I think will get flexed in for the Chiefs later. The Titans, I think this is kind of when their other shoe drops a little bit. Um, you know, this isn't just A.J. Brown. I, th- you know, I think that their defense predominantly carried them last year. You know, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and Derrick Henry were pretty much their offense last year. Uh, Derrick Henry now has lost two of those options to take pressure off him as a rusher. We've seen him start getting injured. It never gets better with running backs. And I certainly don't have faith in the wide receiver that they drafted to replace A.J. Brown. And I also think that, you know, we're kind of seeing Ryan Tannehill's flaws. I think teams are kind of catching on to what they're doing. So I do not like them in this game, especially the Andy Reid by uh, strength. So I've got the Chiefs winning here. Yeah, this is probably the most chalk pick you can pick for the schedule. Like Andy Reid off a bye against probably an injury-ridden Titans team that is going to be using the hell out of Derrick Henry, who is going to be coming off of an injury. So losing the weapons, all that else aside, I think that the structure of their team really isn't one that is is – built for this upcoming season. 
I mean, with Derrick Henry, you know, he, he got a whole bunch of carries last year and the year before and the year before that. And now he's going to be put into another run-heavy situation with Traylon Burks now as your number one wide receiver. Robert Woods, I guess, is your number one wide yeah, receiver. I did forget he was in, in Tennessee now, but honestly, that doesn't change a whole lot. No, no. It, it's just kind of – Robert Woods isn't A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown was really, really good. Um, and I don't think you can just replace talent like that and – rapport with your with your quarterback I mean we're kind of in the same situation in KC the difference is our quarterback is Patrick Mahomes their quarterback is Ryan Tannehill and I know the Dolphins don't exactly have the best uh represent or not representation they, they don't have the best uh they're not exactly known for developing quarterbacks or or hitting on every single quarterback but it's not like they are inept at choosing people to play that position I think that you know them missing on Ryan Tanhill was pretty indicative of what his career was going to be for the rest of his career I mean you you've looked at him in Tennessee and I don't care how many people tell me this Ryan Tannehill is not a great quarterback he's a good quarterback he's below Matt Ryan he's like to a tongue of Iloa like maybe even a little bit below Dak Prescott He's not a guy that can come in and just win with whatever weapons you put in front of him. He's a he's a traditional system quarterback that that needs weapons, and they don't have very many of them. So Andy Reid off a bye, Ryan Tannehill with no weapons. I I like the Chiefs' odds there. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this one. The most interesting thing about the Jags coming into Arrowhead this week is Doug Peterson returns to Arrowhead, former Chiefs offensive coordinator. I think we both have this as a win. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll say about this game and some of the other games that are here is that with how tough the Chiefs schedule is, they've got to win these games that are chalk. You know, they've, they oh, yeah. they don't they don't have any room to drop those games. The next week, week 11, they travel to Los Angeles to play the Chargers on the road. I have this game as a loss. Um I I think that the Chargers are definitely the strong going to be some of the strongest competition the Chiefs have in the AFC, let alone the division. Chargers are really good. I think that defense will be rolling. Derwin Jane stays healthy. Cleo Mack stays healthy. It's going to be a good team. Uh, so I got this as a loss. Yeah, same for me. Loss uh, against the Chargers. Justin Herbert's going to get one on Mahomes, and I, I think that's just going to have to be something we look forward to every year is is losing to the Chargers because they do have a good team. I just don't think they can consistently win against the Chiefs, especially in the bigger moments later in the season or maybe even in this case earlier in the season, especially since I think I have them losing uh, their or winning their first matchup, the Chiefs against the Chargers. So, yeah, I think we split one win, one loss. And then to continue the L.A. trend, they head home to face the Rams at home. Um I this is a game that, like I said, could be flexed. Uh, I think that there's these next two games both have the potential to be flexed. I have this game as a loss. Um, this is one that, again, I was talking kind of about my swing games with the Colts. I could be talked into a win here. Uh, I, I think the Rams, one of the most remarkable things about their Super Bowl is that they were such a top heavy team that managed to just keep their star players healthy, uh, with the exception of. Uh, Robert Woods and Odell Beckham Jr. in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, this is one that I could see going either way. I Matt Stafford will give you a game. He really will. 
they've lost their left tackle, which was one of the better players on their team. They've lost quite a few. They've got quite a bit of turnover at the wide receiver position besides Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, they added Bobby Wagner, which is good, but he's getting older. Um, no Von Miller. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, this one will be a fascinating game. This is just kind of one of those you don't see this team very often. Uh, it'll be an interesting game. I'm going to pencil it in as a loss just because you give some respect to the Super Bowl champs. And this is a game that the Chiefs definitely could lose. Uh, I don't necessarily think that they're destined to lose this game. Like, I don't think it's a blowout or anything. But it's one of those that you can screw up and lose this game pretty easily. Yeah, plenty of weapons. They, they did replenish that offense uh, fairly well after... I'm presuming they're going to lose out on Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, bringing in Allen Robinson to replace Robert Woods is, as far as I'm concerned, it's a trade-off between a guy who gets injured and a guy who doesn't about the same skill level. So I, I think that's a win for them. They've got plenty of talent. This is a star-studded team, and Matt Stafford is getting older, but I think it's still enough to to beat the Chiefs during that week. So that's going to be my fourth loss for the Chiefs. Then the Chiefs go on the road again to face the Bengals, uh, a game that, you know, a couple of years ago we would have just called it chalk, but the Bengals have revitalized their team. Um, here's a hint for you. I'm all in on the Bengals' regression this year. They are my team to regress. I don't think they're going to be awful, but this is a team that I could see missing the playoffs. Um, we can get into that a little bit later as we get closer to the season as we kind of do some of our bold takes. I have the Chiefs winning here. If – this might be the ultimate lock of the year. I think that the Chiefs have this game circled. They are pissed. They are mad as hell. I do not see them losing this game. And it doesn't matter. Like They could be up 50 at halftime, and um, they're coming out and throwing the ball deep after half. Like There will never be enough separation after the, after the way that they've ended their last two games against the Bengals. So I've got this as a win. Yeah, same. This is definitely going to be a Raiders circling around the stadium type situation for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Like, especially because they, I mean, there's an argument to be made that some calls were missed the last couple times that we played them. I think that this will be a statement game and they will go out and say, you know what? We don't care what calls you guys are going to miss. It's not going to be close by halftime. So, yeah. and it's also worth, uh, you know, we as Chiefs fans just have horror memories associated with the Bengals. But it's also worth noting that both games the Bengals won were, I don't want to say lucky, but it, it took every single ounce of help they could get to win those games, mm-hmm. including Mahomes playing the worst half of football we've ever seen him play. Next, the Chiefs go on the road on Sunday night football to mile high to face the Broncos. I have this game as a loss. Uh, Denver's one of the more pronounced home field advantages in football. I also think that at this point, the Broncos have a last place schedule in the division. Everyone is going to be on their knees glowing about the Broncos. I think that this is the, you know, everyone will have this game circled. It's the showdown for the AFC West. And I think the Broncos win. I think that there'll just be enough change. I think them playing at home just gives them enough advantage here. I've got the Chiefs losing this game to the Broncos. Yeah, this is, again, another classic trap game where you're on the road after you just decimated another team, which I'm presuming they're going to do against the Bengals. Um, it's going to be a tough matchup, and we talked a little bit before the show started about you know how we would much rather have seen these teams earlier in the schedule because or the Broncos specifically, I guess, because they're they've got a whole bunch of moving parts that they have to get figured out by the end of the season, especially if they want to meet their goals. So 
you know, with Russell Wilson, with some of these new weapons and, you know, an offensive line that they're going to have to replace a couple of pieces of, um, it's going to be tough in earlier in the season, but I think they'll be rocking by this point, And I think the chiefs might underestimate them. So this one's going to be a loss for me as well. I just, this is just one of those games where it's the perfect storm of everything that could possibly go wrong for the chiefs. And, you know, Russell Wilson coming in and made making a statement first time playing the chiefs at their stadium. Agreed. Uh, we don't really need to spend a lot of time on the next two games. Do you have the Chiefs losing to the Texans or the Seahawks? No, no. Neither do Both I. of those are basically chalk. Yep, we've got those as two wins. Um, again, Chiefs have to win those games, though. They cannot afford slip-ups in those games. And as the Chargers can let you know, the Texans can sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, last two games of the year are AFC West games as well. The Broncos come to Arrowhead to play a noon game on New Year's Day throwback to Patrick Mahomes starting the first game of his career on New Year's Day against the Broncos. A very joyful memory I have. But I've got this as a win. Um, Spoiler, I just have the Chiefs splitting with every team in the AFC West. A win and a loss. So I've got this as a win. Uh, I think that you know playing a team this close together is kind of interesting in football. And I'm going to give the tactical advantage to Andy Reid there. I'm going to give it to Arrowhead. And I'm also going to give it to December Russell Wilson. And January Russell Wilson is a thing. So we'll give this nod to the Chiefs here. I've got to win. Yep. And same here. You know, there's there's not really a whole much else that can be said about the Broncos other than I think they'll be clicking. But the Chiefs, especially in early January, are usually a really good football team. And I'm, I'm not going to... St- veer too far from that with our final two picks yep and then the last game of the year i have the chiefs losing to the raiders because i think that this might be uh like the raiders need this game and like three other things to go right for them to clinch the playoffs and it's a must win for them and the chiefs might be kind of locked into like a three or a four seed or they've got the playoffs locked up and it's just the seeding type of thing I could be this again a kind of a pivot game because I do think the Raiders and Chiefs are a bad matchup, but this is in Vegas. So I, I think that, you know, this is going to be a full court press for the Raiders. So I've got the Chiefs losing this game. I could see it being a loss only if the Chiefs have basically decided that they're going to be like the third or fourth seed. Um, but other than that, I, I think that this if this is a must win game for the Chiefs to like lock up the number two seed or or maybe even the one seed, depending on how this AFC goes. There are just so many good teams. They could literally lose five games, or five or six games, and be the number one seed still. If this if this has any impact on the playoff seeding, I 100% believe, believe that the Chiefs will stop the Raiders, as they have always done. So Chiefs, Raiders, I got to give it to the Chiefs. So my final record for the Chiefs is 11 and 6. I could be talked into 10 and 7, possibly even talked into 12 and 5. Um, again, my pivot games are kind of really what it comes down to. My biggest overall takeaways for the Chiefs is they've got a lot of the strength in their schedule at the beginning with the Chargers, Bucks, Bills right up front. And then they've really got to take care of business in this particular stretch where they play at home week five with the Raiders, at home week six with the Bills, go on the road once to face the 49ers, then by week, then home with the Titans, home with the Jacks. 
that needs to be an undefeated stretch or one loss because they're getting on a plane once from early October until late November. So that's one of those that you want to get that home cooking. You want to get Arrowhead rolling. They need to come out of that stretch really good because then after that, they've got a really tough stretch. Chargers on the road, Rams at home, Bengals on the road, Broncos on the road. Then they get a little cushion there with Texans, uh, Texans, Seahawks, and then it's the rest of the division again with Broncos and Raiders. So there, that's that's the stretch for me. Um, again, I have them kind of fallen like two and two in the early part of the season. I, I, I that's not going to surprise me. No, especially with, you know, how many new things we have going on with the offense and some of the key defensive players like Tyron Matthew being being taken out of the defense. So, yeah, I mean, I can see a, a, a sort of slow start. However, I think that, like, we'll really know about how good this team is by week six. Like, once they face – once after they face the ba- the Bills, excuse me, um, I think we'll kind of have a good idea of, of how good of a team they're going to be this year. If they beat the Bucks, if they somehow beat the Bills – um, if the Raiders and Colts pick are as chalk as we think that they probably will be, I think that we can look at this team and be like, okay, we, this is a strong playoff team. This isn't a rebuilding off year like we've kind of alluded to it being. Um, this is a team that can probably go far in the playoffs. Now, I mean, you have 15 at the helm at quarterback, so really anything is possible. But I think if we lose, like, if we lose Bucks, Bills, and Chargers, in those first six weeks, I think that the, there's a strong argument to be made that the Chiefs might miss the playoffs because that that last home stretch is tough. Chargers, Rams, Bengals, Broncos, Broncos again, and then Raiders with maybe something to prove. That That's a tough schedule, especially with most of them being road games. So we kind of knew it wasn't going to be an easy schedule this year. Um, I was kind of hoping it would kind of be an easy schedule, but, you know, the Chiefs were a really, really good team last year. They got paired up against some some nice teams so we'll see but hopefully by week week 6 we can be 5 and 1 6 and 0 oh maybe and be looking forward to the playoffs and maybe expect a few Ls later in the season so you have their final schedule as what <clears throat> oh well, i have them losing 5 games okay yeah so we're i mean i think everyone's kind of in that way i've not really seen anyone who's had them winning like 13 or 14 games no no, especially with Tyree Kill's departure, it's like if if you put him up there with you know losing twice, um, I think that you're a little hopeful. Maybe 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 a little too hopeful in this team. Tyree Kill was just such a good player, and Tyron Matthew, we don't exactly know how that's going to all work out. So, yeah, no homer bias here. Five losses. Hopefully yeah. a good playoff. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're we're pretty objective there. Well, we've got two left, two uh, last things here to talk on the docket. Just a quick one here. Melvin Ingram signed with the Dolphins. We thought it was kind of a lock that Ingram was coming back with the transition tag thing that they placed on him. Ultimately, didn't happen. Um, do we really care? Is is this a big deal? Oh, I well, I think it depends on what Brett Veach thinks of the roster. Like, there's really only two or three options that this can be, right? Like, one, he believes that, you know, the defensive line is good as it is and that it doesn't really need an upgrade. Drafting Karloftis and maybe Malik Herring or Joshua Kando coming off the bench and, and providing some pass rushing reps is is going to be enough. 
maybe he believes that that secondary is is doing really well. They've got a good deep secondary, and we don't really need any more uh, pass rush. Or they've got their eyes set on somebody else, and that could be a trade. That could be signing Judavian Clowney. I mean, there's plenty of options that the Chiefs still have. Although I think this is probably a, a misstep by Veach, especially if you're just paying him five mil. Like that's nothing. You could do that and sign Jadavian Clowney with a restructure or or something else. Maybe a couple of later offseason cuts where you you clear some cap space. But you could have all of that and more. I think letting Melvin Ingram walk on a one year six million dollar contract is is not great. Well, I. I think that everyone has to have a walkaway price, you know, like at an auction where people are holding up the cards. Everyone has to have a bow out price. Oh, it's and not I can... six hundred thousand though. Well, he... nothing. Here's the thing, though. Melvin Ingram is not bringing something to the Chiefs that they can't get elsewhere. There's another Melvin Ingram out there for them. The one reason why we feel differently about Melvin Ingram is because one, we've seen him do it in red and gold before, and two. He came in and made an impact on the team at a time when they needed an impact. The They can get what they got from Melvin Ingram somewhere else. He had one sack as a member of the Chiefs. Had some pressures, but he was also on the field gasping for air, chasing Joe Burrow around for freaking ever. He also was on the field for a game where they turned Gabriel Davis into Jerry Rice. I mean, he was also part of the problem. You know, like we look at him as part of the solution because he was the best of the worst there for a little bit. I think the one thing that sucks about losing Melvin Ingram is just you felt that the pass rush had improved with Carl Laftis and Ingram. But they mm-hmm. can go there there's still players that are out there. It kind of sucks that we have to go do this. And honestly, I can respect it if they just say, you know what? It's Clark, it's Jones, it's Carl Laftis, it's Kando, and it's Dana, and we're gonna figure out what we have here. And Herring. Um that's fine with me too. I kind of look at this as a year where the Chiefs aren't all in. I don't think they're tanking. don't think that they're trying to suck or anything like that, but I don't think that they're all in. And there's a difference. I think that they're 100% trying to make the playoffs and do everything they can to win as many games as possible, but they're not all in. And that's okay. Um, not that, you know, if they spend $7 million on Jadavian Clowney or bring in Akeem Hicks or Nagamakasu or someone like that, it's not going to be a huge deal either. I could see it. Uh, I just think, you know, Melvin Ingram raised the floor a little bit of this pass rush because we had at least seen this defense be good with just Frank Clark, um, Melvin Ingram, and Chris Jones. So, but ultimately, they can find that somewhere else. So I'm not, I'm not stressing out too much. This does not make or break any part of the offseason for me. See, and I, I just have a hard time thinking that the pass rush is going to be okay um, and, and kind of being stagnant with what we have, especially after Brett Veach kind of teed it up like, you know, I'm going to change the defensive line like I changed the offensive line last year, which we knew was a tall task. And I think that if you ask anybody that was being realistic, we were probably not going to be a day. We're, we're probably not going to get a day one contributor in the sixth round or have the best defensive tackle in the league with a second round pick. Like, I don't think anybody expected that, but I think we were expecting it to rise a little bit. And drafting Karloftis is, was a good move. I think that, you know, addressing pass rush in the first, first round of the draft was good. It was a smart idea. Does that, is he better than Melvin Ingram? We have no idea. Like, okay, he has good tape. He looks like Cameron Tom or Cameron Jordan. 
of, of the Saints. Like, yeah, he looks like a lighter TJ or lighter JJ Watt. We have no idea what he's going to be. Millie Caring is a good player. He might be a good rotational piece, but he was an undrafted free agent. And, you know, if he was healthy going into the draft, he might have been a third round pick or a second round pick. We still don't know what he's going to be. Joshua Kando didn't look very good last year. Are, are we sure he's going to come in and, and make an impact on the defensive line? Like, so, you know, with that all being said, I think that if you look at our pass rush right now and look at it at the end of the season, I think we're worse now than we were at the end of the season. And that's just because we're rolling the dice on on some players that maybe have some upside but are not Melvin Ingram. So, yeah, they could they could grab some some productive guy from you know, from the free agent market or trade for somebody. But I think we just had a node quantity that we we let walk out the door. And that, to me, especially for the price, is just, I just think that it's not egregious because I think, you know, if your whole motto is to get younger and bring in younger guys, then maybe signing Melvin Ingram to a one-year deal isn't, you know, doesn't fit the narrative that you're trying to trying to go with. But we knew what he was. He was, he was an impactful player. And I... I think we're going to miss him this year. Tired. George Karloftis will fix the Chiefs' pass rush. <laughs> Wired. Leo Chanel will fix the Chiefs' pass rush. Dude, if I have to hear one more person say Leo Chanel will be off the edge this upcoming season, he'll start at like right defensive end. I'm going to lose it. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think he's putting his hand in the dirt, but I think. I still, I'm still doubling down on my Leo Chanel leads to the Chiefs and sacks tickets. Oh yeah, well here's the that's, thing. That's actually not something I own any of. Um, but <laughs> if if there were, if the, I'm the the leader of the syndicate for that bet, I mean, here's the thing, man. I I just don't think that Melvin Ingram, especially playing a full season, which he didn't really do last year, another year older, is just making or breaking this pass rush. I, you know, it. Some of the parts, yada, yada, yada. I, I think that they could stand to add one more person along, along the defense, but I don't think – the pass rush was never going to be a one-year fix. The offensive line thing last year was really – I don't want to call it fluky, but that's not how that goes. You don't just fix an entire side of the lo- uh, trench in one year. And pass rush is even less stable than offensive line because you get five guys on the offensive line they play every down. Pass rush isn't like that. You know, you get a great pass rush is, you know, usually five or six guys. Well, but I guess my main thing is value. Like, do you think Melvin Ingram was worth a spot on the roster? Because that's well, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course he was. Worth, yeah, of course he was worth a spot on the roster, and also they got a pick in return for the tag that they placed on him, so they'll get like some compensatory sixth or seventh. I mean, yeah, I mean, you you know, you can argue you don't have Melvin Ingram, you don't get the thirteen seconds game. It was definitely worth it as far as the move goes. I just. I don't necessarily think that this is something that we need to raise our hands up in the air and be faux outrage over. I, I just, you know, he was a good player. It would have been nice to have him back. You, but they can certainly find that elsewhere. It is possible, but it, that's just hard to see from me right now. Like, unless they make a trade before the season starts or sign Jadavian Clowney, I don't know. Yeah, it sucks. That, it sucks that they burned the bridge with Justin Houston so bad because he, he, he would make a lot of sense too, and is about the same level of player at this point. But they've clearly burned that bridge. Um, so last thing, this kind of actually goes this. This is just kind of a a yes or no question, and then we'll go with a grade too. 
So part one of the question, did the Chiefs get better in the offseason? Yes or no? No kind does, no maybes, yes or no. And the last question is, give the Chiefs offseason a grade. As we alluded to with Melvin Ingram, they're not, you know, maybe they make some sort of barn burner trade. Those do happen occasionally in training camp for like a pass rusher or something like that. But for the most part, the Chiefs offseason is complete. Um, the moves have been made. The picks have been made. Yada, yada. So did the Chiefs get better? Yes or no? And give the offseason a grade. So Tristan, did the Chiefs get better this offseason? Hesitantly, yes. I think that the Chiefs got better. And I think they got better in depth along the wide receiver core and depth as far as defensive backs go. And linebackers, I guess you could say. I think there were a lot of there was a lot of addition by subtraction this year with Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen being off the roster. So yes, they got better, but it I don't think that they it's not like they did anything crazy outstanding to make this team like a notch better than it was last year, which is what it would have taken to to get to the championship. So if I'm gonna give it a grade you go ahead. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna give anything I don't want to give a bad grade. So you go ahead and say what you were going to say about the offseason being good or bad so I can have some time to, to really think about my answer here. So the answer to the question that the Chiefs got better, it's it's a market, markedly yes for me. Um, again, the depth is something that was desperately needing. The secondary is by far the most improved unit on the team. They also got better in cap space and cap situation, which, you know, I keep getting told is fake, but it positions them to be a player in, in future markets. That all matters. Um, and I also think that they got better. They realized they realized some of the things that they kept doing couldn't keep happening. Uh, going cheap in the secondary. Um, and also this kind of low-key one, but bringing in Matt Nagy, I think also kind of raises this team a little bit too. And I'm really really hoping that the Ronald Jones thing too just kind of alludes to the Chiefs realizing that like hey we can't just keep ignoring running the ball we don't need to be the Ravens here but we need to be able to do it a little bit more effective so it's a marked yes for me as far as did they get better now I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit and say when I give the Chiefs offseason a grade I'm going to give it a B minus um the draft was an A plus for me or an A um but I'm going to go with B- minus because we we like the pieces all together, but some of the free agent signings there, these... Uh, so Juju Smith-Schuster is probably the best free agent that they signed as far as like overall player goes because he's, he's had some real productive years. Marcus Valdez-Scantling is a very erratic player. My friend who's a Packers fan calls it the MVS experience. Um, real highs, real lows. He's not a player that's ever been just a go-to dependable receiver. He, he brings as much when he doesn't have the ball in his hands as when he does. Justin Reed is a player who's had some really bad seasons here lately. Now, the Texans are an absolute joke at this point as far as what they're doing with player development. So you feel good about the Chiefs being able to get the better out of him. But, um, you know, they lost out on a lot of pass rush that they desperately needed. And I think we all kind of realized that that was something they needed. And, George Carlatos is kind of the only answer that they've had to that question that loomed over the team. The Tyree kill trade, I loved what they got in return for the trade in the sense of they got probably the best return out of any of the wide receivers that were moved this offseason. 
but I don't necessarily love the fact that the Chiefs weren't able to get the Terry Kill deal done soon enough that they could beat the Devontae Adams market. And maybe he was never going to. I'm not sure how all that stuff works. Um, people kind of create whatever narrative they want around there. But yeah, I would have felt a lot better about this team with Terry Kill and Juju Smith-Schuster on it. But overall, I'm going to give it a B- because the draft was so well executed. They got a lot of picks. They And I'm also giving them that B- because they have made some really good cap decisions and long-term kind of taking their medicine here so they can reset this for a couple years down the road. When I give my grades, though, I start at a C. So, like, C is at expectation. So, I'm trying to think, like, a team that I would give a C would probably be, like, I'm trying to think of a team that's just kind of been ho-hum, like the Vikings. Like, the Vikings kind of did some good things, kind of did some bad things. Like, they're a C. Um, and then you can go from backwards from there. Like, teams that are getting Ds and Fs are, like, the Cardinals for me, who, you know, moved a first-round pick for a wide receiver that's close to being in the final year of his deal, hasn't really been that productive. Um, but yeah, B minus for me. Okay. So I'll kind of build off of some of the things that you talked about there. Uh, if, if I'm giving this off season a grade, I think it probably has to be around a B minus C plus. And there's a few different reasons how I came to that one. The draft, it was absolutely smash out of the park a plus. Like, I think that they got guys that fell to them that probably shouldn't have, perfect maneuvering around what other teams would do trading up and getting your guy like they did everything that I thought that they probably should have done maybe not exactly how I think they should have done it but they got their guys and when you do that and you you know can prove that you can get your guys with the draft capital you have you don't have to waste it on on trading too far up or or having to take a player that you're going to be stuck with I think that that's really really good decision making and technique by Brett Veach I think that so that part of it I love. I love the draft. Now, the problem is is when we get into this Tyreek Hill trade in the offseason free agency as a whole, and you look at it and there was some talk like, oh, Tyreek Hill was going to go no matter what. And he was just waiting for the Devontae Adams deal to drop. And But we weren't in on any pass rushers because we didn't have the money because we had to pay Tyreek Hill. It's like, no, no, no. If... if Brett Veach knew that was going to happen and they were pretty sure that they weren't going to get him and they had been shopping him for a while, which was reported, then they should have been in on some of those free agent pass rushers. Like, I understand Von Miller got the bag. At some point, you have to overpay. It's free agency. Sammy Watkins was not worth the money we gave him. We overpaid for him. Anthony Hitchens was not worth the money that we gave him. We overpaid him. Same thing with Frank Clark. So, now in this offseason where you had to get better, and we talked about it was the most important offseason that the Chiefs had ever had, at least as far as in the Mahomes era, you have a trade where you did net you know, some, some good draft picks. We don't really know how that's going to work out. Um, so I'll give that as an incomplete grade as far as the Tyree Kill trade portion, just because we have no idea if Sky Moore is going to be anything or if George Karloftis is going to be the next Cameron Thomas. Cameron Jordan, I just messed that up again. Uh, but then you you look at those free agent pass rushers and you go, you let them walk. You let Chandler Jones go. You you didn't trade for Daniel Hunter when you know it was most opportune. Now they might be able to still do that, and they might do that. Probably not though. Not as far as the money goes. It's going to take more to pry him away. So there were lots of missed opportunities. I feel like that would have made this team even better. Taking it 
over the edge as a contender. And they just didn't make those moves. Um, outside of free agency, outside of free agent pass rushers, I mean, I think Justin Reed was a good pickup. Juju Smith-Schuster, solid pickup. But those are like B pluses. It's like, yeah, we got Juju Smith-Schuster for one year. We got Justin Reed on a essentially two-slash-three-year deal. Like, that's cool. How much will he impact? We don't really know. Is he going to be tired, Matthew? Almost certainly not. So we're kind of put in this position where we're relying on a lot of young talent to contribute early at positions that they don't usually contribute well early on in. Like, cornerback and, and defensive end are two of the – and wide receiver, as far as Andy Reid goes, are, are two, three of the positions that like never produce in year one. So, you know, with the season that I, I think we will have with having five losses, I think we'll probably take a step back from this past year. And I don't think that that necessarily couldn't have been prevented. I think that if some other moves were made, we might be in even better position to, to make a good postseason run this year. So overall... I think I talked myself down to a C plus, um, but draft A plus, and then the trade free agency is is not so hot. Maybe a D as far as that goes. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a lot of level headed takes there. Um, real quick, one thing that I just want to put on people's radars because we're pretty good about this. We were with the Tyree Kill thing. I just want to say there's. Something about the Odell, or, oh, shit, I did it. I was going to say OBJ and then the Orlando Brown situation that's yes, just a little I, concerning. Um, he doesn't have an agent, hasn't gotten an agent yet, is on the franchise tag. There's not really been a lot of smoke around negotiations there. These things are kind of weird. Like, you know, every deal needs a deadline, they say. So training camp, the deadline for him to come in and play on the tag. I don't know, you know, it, it kind of is just one of those things like you're mowing and then you just look at your phone and the Chiefs have signed Orlando Brown to whatever extent you're like, oh, okay, it's done. Like, uh, you know, it's one of those things that just kind of happened. But um, I don't know, man. Like, well, has has he even signed it? I don't, he's I don't not signed the tag signed. yet. Like, yeah. you know, we're getting into like the holdout territory. Andy Reid hates players holding out. That's well documented. I don't know. It, it's just one of those things is it could be, it could be that, he's holds out and we could be down a left tackle for a while, which would definitely not be ideal given the pass rushers in the division. Um, the chiefs might not get it done either. And that could be, that kind of changes that whole deal around that whole trade around. If they're not able to lock him up, especially whenever you consider that he's an average left tackle, um, at that. So just well, like something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, I was going to ask you how, how do you think, what did you grade the the original trade? Because I think I had it as an A plus. Like because yeah, it- I, I mean we'll get the full complete now because they use some of the Chiefs picks this year. Um, but I mean, it, given that they were able to grab Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown, it's really hard to not give it a B or an A. Um, I there's people who still think that the Ravens fleece the Chiefs in that trade. Some of the PFF guys, and I like PFF a lot, but I just. I just do not see where that where that's coming from, considering the Ravens 
missed the playoffs last year, notably because their quarterback was hurt while getting sacked, while they had a really bad left. You know, everyone just said like, oh, those signed, uh, you know, they signed Villanueva. It's going to be fine. Ronnie Stanley's going to come in back. And he didn't, you know, like, yes, that was hindsight, but also like all, all draft picks, all player acquisitions are all hindsight. Like, sure, we can sit here and go like, oh, will the process and stuff. No, that doesn't make sense. Like saying like, yes, I understand the process sometimes makes sense and you can justify the move at the time. You're like, well, at the time, yada, yada, yada. But the results matter, too. It's a results based industry. Like it's kind of like one of those things like, oh, well, you know, Walter White, he did kill a lot of people, but he did have cancer and he was trying to provide for his family. It's like, well, yeah, the 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 means of what he was doing that are kind of justifiable, but he also like killed a bunch of people, including a kid on a motorcycle. Sorry, light spoilers for a TV show released in like 2012, but hey, like, I, I actually just finished that like this past week. So that that's good. Well, I, that reference at home. <laughs> welcome. So, so now you know what we're talking about. Um, yes. Yeah. But I'm yeah. In. I mean, so it, it does matter, but yeah, just putting the Orlando Brown thing on your all's radar. Yeah. Which I mean, it's such a, such a weird situation. Who knows what he's going to do? How do you not have an agent at this point in the offseason in maybe the biggest offseason of your career? Like, this is going to be the offseason where you either get paid or you get traded and then get paid. Like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And the Chiefs being in on him and, and trading for him only makes sense if he comes back and is retained. Now, how much is too much? We can argue about that. But I think you got to bring him back as long as it's not number one offensive tackle money which i am afraid is what he's going to be asking for for sure well guys we're going to call that a podcast we appreciate you listening uh keep locked in here on arrowhead live for our podcast talking shop and anything else that we're putting out we appreciate you guys listening to not just another sports podcast yep thanks guys see ya